So the access point uh, for the first jhana, for the first absorption, uh, is pity, at least in the method I've learned. And uh, for that, uh, first we need to become aware of pity, of the pleasant bus, body, bo body bus, the pleasant body bus. I didn't say anything about the benefits, uh, about uh, you know, being able to identify pity and also, you know, why the heck should I try to do the practice of entering the jhanas. But uh, I just want to say it's really good. <laughs> uh, um, uh, for example, with the pity, with the pleasant buzz in your body, uh, once you become um, familiar with that, it can be a very uh, wonderful daily practice. Uh, kind of to be a pity uh, detective. And notice uh, pity in movement, in touch, in dance, in, in yoga, in in walking, in being in nature, um, yeah, and uh, and to make it uh, uh, a resting place, something to notice. In every movement of the body is pity. So just walking down the street can be a quite blissful experience. And uh, so those of you who are familiar with energetic work, like healing work with the hands, with the touch, you know, um, kundalini practices, pranayama, and uh, it actually should be part of any yoga practice, yeah? to, you know, to learn to identify that uh, pleasant vibration of aliveness. So then, uh, so if you're already familiar with this, uh, so then um, it's quite easy for you huh, to uh, bring it into the foreground. You, you just need to do it and, and benefit and receive the benefit from it. But uh, one, uh, so one way to start to notice pity is first to stabilize the mind a bit. And you can do that with many different objects. But many people start uh, to notice pity first in their hands. Not everyone. And if you are already uh, familiar with the pleasant body bus, then you, know, you have your own entrance, entrance places. You know, for some, it's the belly, uh, the lower chakras, forehead chakras, so there's different entry points to experience pity. But for many people, it's the hands. So that's why in this meditation now, I will guide you a little into a bit of a focus on the sensations in the hands. And as I said, it can be any, any focus object. Yeah, it can be a mantra, it can be metta, loving-kindness meditation, it can be an insight practice, so it, it, it can be anything. Yeah, so I just choose the hands. 
and yeah and then from there i kind of will, will invite you into the exploration of the subtle energy the subtle vibration in the palms of your hand so let's go back to the posture and just to remind you of the appreciation you know, just the appreciation that we are in this space of the lineage of the Buddha you know, sharing these teachings which have been handed down from generation to generation time-tested practices uh, so that's very fortunate and then also the sense of togetherness yeah? that we are coming here together in the spirit of kindness so that's in itself something to be happy about and then closing your eyes checking your posture adjusting your posture so there's some uprightness but also tenderness and softness in the posture both And checking in, so allowing the shift from the head into the body, noticing the floor carrying you, and gently bringing the flow of the in and out breath to the foreground. welcoming, embracing, and sliding into present moment awareness. So and then with the next in-breath, I like to invite you to, from, uh, to slide with your awareness into your right hand. So you bring the sensations of the right hand into the foreground, maybe they're resting 
on your lap or on your tight tights and sometimes the sensations are quite subtle so try to be really curious with your hand and there can be also an appreciation wow i have a hand i can move it i can touch i can talk with it i can hold things there can be a smile of gratitude towards the end. And bring your breath with you. So with a sense of breathing through the hand or into the hand. And it's okay if there's a mental image still of the hand that slowly will dissolve. And other things like thoughts and other sensations in the body or sounds around you, they are more in the background. So it's okay that they are there. So there might be still very strong the sense that you are up in your head and you have a hand and you look down from the head into the hand. So see if you can relax that identification and of sliding into the hand. So now, relaxing more deeply with the hand, into the hand. And becoming aware of a subtle sense of aliveness, subtle vibration. Which is probably bigger than the physical hands. A subtle 
pleasant flow, energy. And it's important to stay relaxed and open so we don't push. So a gentle gathering connected with a smile. Can you feel the this energy which can touch, which can heal? Sense of aliveness, vibration. And you'll sink more deeply there. Maybe you can feel it strong, more strongly in the other hand. It's different for different people. And if you have a sense of the subtle flow of chi or prana, you sink in. You surrender. So while we are doing that, so kind of bit of a focus practice, you might notice pity rising in another part of your body. And if that is the case, you'll gently shift there. So the breath is still there. And if there's a glimpse, a sense of spacious aliveness, You sink in, you surrender. Bring it, bringing the spacious aliveness 
into the foreground, melting into it, forgetting yourself. And the warmth of connectedness we're doing this together one heart and then resting And when you just get distracted, maybe a bit of just breathing into the hands, into the sensation of the hands, but then going more subtle into the field of the energy of your hands. And breathing there. So other things are still happening, are happening on the surface, thoughts, other, ex other sensations in the body, but they don't matter so much. Now we 
broaden our awareness a bit into the whole body. Noticing if it's possible to have a sense of that underlying, connecting sense of spacious aliveness. And then also going beyond that, beyond the body, into your surroundings, into this group. But there is possibly the sense of that underlying field a flow of energy, boundaryless, centerless. Then uh, in your own time you open your eyes. without uh, losing the seat as a meditator, as a practitioner, just integrate the beauty of seeing into the meditative experience. So is there any uh, question about or comment about what I said or about the practice we did. Yes, Elisabeth? Yeah, it makes really sense what you say. And um, I, I know that people have that kind of experience and I can recognize what you, what you say also in my own experience. But maybe someone else wants to say something about that. Could you connect with what Elisabeth said? your own meditation. Yeah, Bara. Yeah, that is also uh, something I can connect with, with that sense of merging with the earth. Any other question? Just to uh, for the people um, who have some background in the Tibetan tradition, uh, then you have received teachings on the on the stages of meditation, or the nine stages. That's how in the Tibetan tradition the development of focus is taught, is taught. And they, they don't, uh, they talk, I mean, they mention in their meditative maps the eight jhanas, uh, but uh, from the view, uh, from the point of view of the Tibetan tradition, it is good enough uh, to reach the ninth stage of shamatha as a focus practice, and then do the insight meditation practices on emptiness. So for them, they they stop there. 
In the Tibetan tradition, there is actually more a warning towards these eight absorption. They know about them, it's in their text. Uh, and the warning is to kind of get lost in them. Kind of to, uh, you know, because if you really are able to access even the first jhana, then you can rest there. I mean, then it's like, uh, it's not that that in itself heals your traumas and your contractions and your your reactivity, but it's just not present. It remains there, kind of dormant, sleeping in the background. So that's what the Tibetans you know, say that could happen, a kind of a attachment and addiction to the transcendental states of meditation. But, uh, I mean, personally, I've never met someone who got lost there. So, for many of us, it's so important to have that meditative joy in one's practice, yeah, and also that curiosity of uh, the map of the eight jhanas, a landscape, an inner landscape we can start to explore, which is can be so fascinating. And then also the kind of more provisional benefits of jhana practice. You know, I mean, it's wonderful if you develop the capacity in daily life to shift to shift into joy, to shift into aliveness, to shift into the vibrancy and the aliveness of this moment. It's not uh, enlightenment or awakening, but it's pretty good. So I, I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to um, in the next few. Few meetings if I'm going to continue the deepening of these teachings in, into the eight jhanas. Uh, but there's very good material on the internet. So if something what I said today made you curious and you would like to have some kind of new interesting territory to explore in your meditative practice and you could look into uh, the eight jhanas and the access to it, the eight jhanas. Entering the first jhana, different people say different things. What means what it means to enter the first jhana? I mean, the Tibetans they are very uh, strict there. I mean, you know, it's like you have mastered the first jhana when you can enter it at any time and you can rest there as long as you wish. Yeah, so that would mean at any time in our life we could just kind of turn on the jhana switch and disappear into bliss and stay there as long as we want. You know, up to hours, uh, days. We would be pre pretty useless for the world. That's also one reason why uh, the jhana practice is not uh, emphasized on the bodhisattva path. Because on the Bodhisattva path, it's about uh, increasing our presence in the world and not kind of disappearing into a subtle level of our being and, you know, and have a good time there.
But on the level where we are, certainly it would be such a wonderful skill to have, at least uh, to have the capacity when things become tight in us, when we feel overwhelmed, to make that little step into spacious, spacious joy. That That's definitely something very helpful for us to do, even if that uh, jhana experience we might have is not as stable and as deep uh, that, as it could be. But it could be even helpful to have like 20% of jhana experience and only 80% of overwhelm. Yeah? So that's already really great. And then being on the bodhisattva path, of course, one would always explore how to bring the experience of the jhana into one's own healing pre uh, process and also into one's presence for others. Yeah. So if you are present with other with someone else and you are in the kind of mini-me needing to position yourself and trying to be right, uh, so then to shift into into a jhana as a more spacious way of being present, a more free way of being present, a more, a more of easygoing being present. One of the challenges within the first jhana, with working with pity, is pity can become very, very strong. So, so much so that sometimes in the text, pity is um, translated, translated as ecstasy. So it's it's kind of a kind of common side effect of, or it can be a side effect of jhana practice, first jhana practice, that you know there's experience similar to a kundalini arising. So where that vibration, that kind of the experience of the life force becomes almost annoying or unpleasant or too much to hold. Yeah? So it's not an unusual experience. Usually that kind of uh, strong uh, meditative bliss um, with time kind of becomes less, less intensive. Yeah? Maybe because one gets used to it or... Maybe it, it it's just in the beginning when this life force starts to have more space that it kind of it can become a bit of uh, too much. Uh, so it become it can become destabilizing. In the you know the entry, the access point to the second uh, jhana is mudita, is that joy. Yeah, and and that joy, you no know, kind of the joy of a smile, the so that joy is much more peaceful, much more quiet. Yeah, so you you with the second jhana you you enter a more subtle level of consciousness. So the kind of the energetic vibrational experience of the first jhana. So that's something different. So kind of, if you would imagine a, an ocean where there's a lot of turbulence or the waves, that's the kind of the coarse daily kind of mind. 
And then we sink a little deeper with the first jhana, but there's still the, the movements, and that movements can be quite strong. And then if you go, if you sink deeper, then it becomes more quiet. And the way to enter that uh, second jhana is to emphasize mudita. Yeah. And of course, these are just kind of artificial categorization of something which is connected with each other. Yeah. But it's definitely kind of possible to distinguish the extremes of an uh, of a of the first jhana being entered through pity, which is energetic, vibrant, you know, kind of eros, vitality kind of energy, which can be almost too much or almost unpleasant or almost too, like, kind of, I explode now. Uh, then to the second jhana, which you enter to mudita. So in to enter the second jhana, you would uh, make your meditation object the experience of mudita. You know, the and I mentioned in the beginning tonight, like different, different, uh, and uh, different uh, attitudes which can lead to that experience, like connectedness, openness, gratitude, an awe to life, yeah? So you would focus on that. You focus. You would focus on, on the experience of that. You, you would focus on the experience of the smile, the smile of the Buddha. So that's a different kind of energy. It's, it's a different kind of realm different level of consciousness. Yeah, and then how is this connected with, uh, you know, non-duality? Uh, so, so in the Tibetan tradition, the experience of non-duality can happen on different levels of consciousness. And more subtle that level of consciousness is, kind of more deeper the experience of non-duality can be. So that's, you know, this is the purpose of tantric practice. So in tantric practice, you learn to lift, to lift yourself out of the cons constrictions of the most cause mind into more expansive states of mind. And you do that not to stay there forever, which is very seductive to do that, but to then meditate on emptiness. So you learn in tantric practice to raise the vibration, and you could say that, or the, the bliss, they say bliss to that, so to raise the bliss without uh, losing awareness, without losing spaciousness. And then you bring your understanding 
of emptiness into that. Which could, I mean, if you are familiar with you know, the pointers of the non-dual tra tradition, one pointer is, something I also used in some of the last evenings, is the question, what is aware? To enter the jhana which is accessible to you, which is a subtle level of mind, and you explore it, and you get familiar with it, and you enjoy it completely for a while, for a few years maybe. But then there is the question, okay, what is aware? And then now I could talk a long time of uh, that you don't find anything and, and so on and so on, but you know that kind of stuff I said before. So it's not like a question which brings us into some philosophical idea of what consciousness is. It is a, a direct looking into that which can't be found. So in that way, you combine your either your shamatha practice, nine stages of shamatha practice, or entering the jhanas. So you, you use uh, the the capacity of either the more focused mind through the nine stages or your capacity, your skill to enter the jhanas as a platform to meditate on emptiness. That was a lot of words today. It's really... It's so good to be a progressive, a progressive path teacher, you know, like teaching something, te teaching steps. Uh, it's, uh, it's really good. And, and I mean, this, uh, this uh, teachings on the jhana, they, I, I mean, you can spend your whole life on you know, exploring this map. It's amazing. You can make so many words there and so many really nice maps and teachings and you know oh, it's so fantastic so beautiful okay so let's see where i am in two weeks <laughs> and then, and then uh, i there could be much more said about this 